to Matthew, the sixth chapter. We started this sermon series, and uh, we are still in the first sermon that Jesus preaches in the Bible. We have not left it yet. We are still there. We are still there. If you missed last week, I, I encourage you to find our podcast or go back on uh, the Facebook page and watch Pastor Walker talk to us about giving, praying, and fasting. Things that Jesus doesn't suggest we do, but Jesus says when you do, he implies this is something that followers of me will do. And, and along with Ash Wednesday coming up this week and Lent, what is Lent? Why are you talking about it? Lent is, is a time when, when the church historically gives something up to enter into the suffering of Jesus as he uh, did not eat for 40 days when he went into the wilderness, right? And faced the temptation of the devil. So I encourage you, uh, Pastor Walker's message last week was very timely, to in, in, in the 40 days of Lent, uh, Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday, they don't count the weekends in there, so that's where, if you don't, don't go do your math and come back to me next week and say, that's actually 48 days. 40 days of Lent to give something up, something that's important to you, something that you will miss, and pray. And pray, pray for what? Pray for peace. Pray for the Ukraine. Pray, pray, for, pray for peace for our world, for our nation. Pray for your pastors. Pray for this church body that we would embody the life of Jesus Christ, that we would fulfill the kingdom that he has called us to do. So I encourage you uh, this Wednesday, if you can't make the service, that's fine, but to start some sort of fast. Fast social media. You can fast food. You can find many things to fast. Don't fast church, but everything else. I'm going to give up church for the Lord. <laughs> All right. God's good. Amen. Amen. Matthew uh, chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 19. I'm going to read you a lot of scripture. Um, Again, this is all still the, the, the message that Jesus gives. If you can't read that, I apologize. I threw uh, uh, Bo a curveball very late by giving him some, some of my scriptures, so I won't um, attack him and make it his fault. It's mine. Matthew 6, and we're going um, to read a lot. Starting in verse 19. Uh, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. For it is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow was thrown into the fire, 
Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen to that. Uh, Chapter 7, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Uh Uh-oh. Verse 3, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank or the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and tear you into pieces. I'm sorry, in turn and tear you into pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? If you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. We're almost done. (laughs) My throat's getting dry. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are uh, ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear good fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the, ones, only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like, a, is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowds were amazed at his teachings because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Lord, I thank you for the scripture. I pray in these next few moments as we look into it that we would see Jesus Christ revealed. God, that we would see you as you truly are. Holy Spirit, open up our eyes to see as we should see. Close our eyes to the things uh, that we think are important and help us uh, and open up our eyes to the things that really are important. Bless us in these next few moments, we pray. 
In Jesus' name, amen. That's a whole lot of scripture, but I wanted to give it to you in context so that you understood where we were coming from. That is still just on the tail end of what Pastor Walker was talking about last week. What we've been talking about for weeks is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is still on the Mount. He has still not come down. The next chapter, he comes down from the Mount. So this is this long discourse, this long sermon, this, these long, this long teaching that Jesus gives on how to live your life. So I'm going to pull a few things out of, out of what I read to you today. We're going to talk about them, then we're going to move on to the next thing, and then we're going to move on. And hopefully it will make some sense by the end. Verse 22 through 23, Jesus says we are to look with healthy eyes. He says that the eye is the lamp of the body. What, what illuminates the body, what shines into the body, comes through the eye. Right? That's what Jesus is saying here. And if your eyes are healthy, then the whole body's healthy. But if your eyes are not healthy, then the whole body is corrupt or is dark, is in darkness. Jesus is not talking, when he says healthy eyes, he's not talking about glaucoma, nearsightedness, farsightedness, bulging eyes. He's not talking about any of the diseases associated with eyes. He's talking about our focus, our attention. He is speaking of greed, envy, lust, revenge, fear, which turns into hatred. The eye shines into the body, but if the only thing shining in is truly darkness, then how dark the whole body will be. If the only illuminating that's coming in, what Jesus is saying is, if the only light in you is darkness, then how dark, that doesn't seem to make sense. But if you go back to the original, it does make sense. If the only illumination that comes through your eyes are, are the things you're wrongly focused on, then your whole body will be dark. The eye shines into the body. But if the only thing shining into you is darkness, then how dark will the whole body be? Have you ever met somebody that's just ugly? I mean, not physically ugly. I mean, I know you're all thinking, yeah, him, you. You're the one. But <laughs> they're just, they, they've lived a life of shining darkness into them, and that's all that comes out of them is darkness. They're mean. They're grouchy. They're just ugly in that way. And that's what will happen to us if the only thing that's shining into us is the darkness of this world. The darkness that, that, that we choose to see, that we choose to focus on. When we become greedy and envious, then darkness is light to us. Jesus said, if the only light in you is darkness, then how dark will you really be? It messes with our perception and darkness actually becomes light to us. That's why... That's why the prosperity gospel is flourishing is because people are looking through eyes of greed. And so all of a sudden, darkness is light to them. If, if the gospel that you preach won't preach everywhere in the world, if it won't preach in, in, in Haiti, in the mud huts in Haiti, then it's not the gospel. If your book titled God Wants You Rich can never apply to people in third world countries, then you cannot be speaking for God. Because guess what? We are not the only Christians. Jesse talked about it. We're not the only ones. 
The gospel of Jesus Christ will preach everywhere to everyone. And if, and if the gospel that you are preaching is only prosperity and God wants you to have the best life that you can possibly ever have, God does want the best for you. Does, God does want good for you. But he also promises us that in this world we're going to have what? Trouble. Tribulation. It's not going to be roses and sunshine all the time. But if we look through the wrong eyes, the eyes of greed, then all of a sudden darkness to us becomes light. When we become fearful and hateful, then the darkness that is light to us becomes murder, war, vengeance. That darkness becomes light to us as we fear other races, other people groups. I told you, I mean, no, I didn't tell you yet. Y'all going to be mad by the time I'm done. Because it was pricking my spirit when I was reading these scriptures this morning. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. As you begin to fear other people, other ethnicities, other religions even, what is birthed in you is hatred. And then what happens to you is you start to see darkness as light. And that me hurting you is justified. See, we forget the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, but I say to you, love your enemies. Do good to those who do bad to you. That's why Jesus is upside down. The, the, the gospel, the kingdom of God is upside down. We try to just take Jesus and add him to our list of likes, our list of interests on our Facebook profile. God, guns, country. One of those has nothing to do with two of those. God doesn't care about your country or your gun. He doesn't care where you're from. He doesn't. We're not special. FYI, I am not special. God loves the, the church in Haiti, the church in uh, Russia, the church in uh, all around the world more than, or not more, I'm sorry, just as much as he loves this church. We are all part of the kingdom of God. <clears throat> if you're going to get up and walk out, walk out backwards, so I'll think you're walking in. <laughs> when we look with eyes of greed and envy and fear and hate, then darkness becomes light to us. When we are vengeful, then darkness becomes light to us. Oh, I'm, I, just, I just cut them off. They're dead to me. You're laughing because there's people like that. <laughs> that have either done it to you or you've done it to them. I'm sorry, I thought we were followers of Jesus. Not followers of the vengeance in our hearts. Listen, I'm preaching to Bradley. You're just getting in on it. If we're followers of Jesus... Then we seek reconciliation. Blessed are the, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, blessed are the peacemakers. Not the peacekeepers, the peacemakers, the ones who go out and actively seek peace. Where there is no peace. Whew. Okay, our world is so dark right now, but much of the problem is that we think the darkness is light. We have forsaken the words of Jesus. We have forsaken the light of the gospel, the actual gospel. 
Not the Western gospel, not the Americanized gospel, not the, not the European gospel. We have forsaken the true gospel of the kingdom of God. And it is time, and that's what we are trying to do. We're trying to get back to the words of Jesus. Amen. We have forsaken the words of Jesus. Following Jesus is not a 30-second prayer, and then you just add Jesus to your interests on your profile. Or, hey, Jesus, come along. Come with me. Follow me. Follow me around my life. Bless my plans. Bless my life. A lot of people live their lives that way. That's not following Jesus. (laughs) Jesus said, drop everything. And follow me. Jesus didn't say, this is the truth, believe in it. He said, I'm the truth, follow me. I heard, I heard somebody compare the kingdom of God this week to a river. And I really like that because we're the river church. The river that flows from the throne of God and fills the earth. And it's full of justice and mercy and forgiveness and peace and restoration, and righteousness, and holiness. And Jesus comes along and does not say, believe certain things about this river. He says, jump into the river. And that's what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. We don't just believe certain things about Jesus. We get in line behind him, and we follow him to the cross, and we nail our desires and our wishes there. And then because we die with him, we get to be resurrected with him into eternal life. It is no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. Paul the Apostle tells us the kingdom that Jesus has laid out in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 has largely been abandoned by the church and by Christians. I mean, just watch Christian TV. It's... Go to a Christian bookstore. I was wanting to turn over the tables. We went to a Christian bookstore yesterday. I was like, just wanting to start turn over, turning over tables. Jesus can do that. I can't. <laughs> Jesus gets to do that. Bradley doesn't. We have forsaken the words of Jesus. And again, this is, I'm saying the church at large, I believe much of what we see from, from the church at large seems to have forsaken the words of Jesus. The kingdom that Jesus laid out has been abandoned. We can't turn the other cheek and we can't love our enemies. We don't do good to those who are evil to us and we don't pray, give, or fast. Our, our eyes aren't healthy And we are living in darkness. We're looking to the wrong things. And this morning I pray that like Paul on the road to Damascus, we will be blinded to what we think is right. And that later as the Holy Spirit came upon him, that the scales were removed from his eyes and he saw rightly for the first time. God, do that to us today. God, as we continue to study about your kingdom, and Jesus, as we study your words, God, open our eyes to what is important. Open up our eyes, Jesus. Amen. Our eyes are diseased. I'm not, I'm, that's, that's, that's a very broad, sweeping statement. And I'm not 
Maybe your eyes are perfect and you see exactly as you should. Praise God for that. But I believe that all of us have some examining to do of our own eyes. Amen. Amen. I want to jump into the river of the kingdom of God. Okay. Then the next uh, thing I want to pull out of there is verse 24. You cannot serve God and money. And I think, I think Jesus, in this part of his discourse, I guess you could call this the conclusion to his sermon, he, he, he kind of lays out, I think, is the, when he gives us the, the sentences about seeing poorly or we need eyes that are healthy, I think that is leading him to what he says next. God, give us eyes to see that we cannot serve God and money. Many people ignore this verse, but it's true. You ever heard the phrase, the almighty dollar? The almighty is in competition with the dollar. The almighty, Jesus knew it. It was happening then. How much more is it happening now? The almighty is in competition with the dollar bill. The almighty dollar. You know what? You know what I first, you know what my first, I'm going to tell on myself a little bit. My first response when I heard that war was about to break out was, well, there goes the stock market. There goes my 401k. Babies are sheltering in caves and in subways. And I'm, that's my first response. You can't serve God in money. God, break us. God, heal our eyes from seeing that way. That the first thing we think about is our pocketbook. That is not following Jesus. <laughs> All right, I told my sin. Now it's time for you to confess. <laughs> Who wants to go next? You can't serve God in money. You can't. It's impossible. If, it was, if, if you could, then Jesus would have told us. That's the problem that we all get into when we try to uh, Christianize things. But then when they are very self-seeking. You just cannot serve God in money. When our eyes are unhealthy, it produces darkness in us. God, give us eyes that, that can see that, that can recognize that in us and root that out of us. Amen. The next, the next thing I want to pull out is Jesus tells us not to worry. Give us eyes that, that don't see the worst in everybody the worst in every situation, that worry about things all the time. Jesus said, can any of you add one hour to your life by worrying? In another scripture, he says, can any of you add a cubit or can any of you make yourself taller by worrying? I wish I could make myself thinner by worrying. I'd be a worry wart. Worrying does not accomplish anything. And Jesus tells us not to do it. It's the opposite of faith when we worry. Oh, no, what's going to happen? It doesn't matter. Your hand, you are in God's hands. Now, please don't mishear me. I'm not saying don't be concerned. Don't be foolish. Don't leave your park and drive on a hill and say, Oh, the Lord will take care of it. I'm not going to worry. No. God's given us some common sense. 
But don't worry about the things that are out of your control because we spend so much time worrying about things that we cannot control. Things that are out of our control. What people think about us, how they feel about us. Are they going to like us? Don't worry. He says something that hit me pretty hard. He said, don't worry. Uh, Don't spend so much time worrying about what you will wear. I like shoes. I'm a shoe, shoe person. I mean, I grew up in the greatest shoe time in the history of the world. When Air Jordans were first introduced, my grandmother bought me a pair at the mall. They were Sky Jordans. I ruined them. I was on my Uncle Jonathan's pond. We were was with Angie and Christy, and we were walking around, and my foot fell through and ruined it. <laughs> I didn't care that I almost died. I was worried about the, <laughs> the shoe. But, but, but Jesus says pagans chase those things. So this is kind of just a confessional, I guess, today. You thought you were getting a sermon. You're just getting a confessional. Pagans chase after those things. But God will take care of you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow comes with its own trouble. But instead, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and His justice, and all that you need will be added unto you. Now, does this mean that if I seek the kingdom of God, that I'll live the life of luxury? No. The 12 closest uh, people to Jesus, when he said this, 11 of them were murdered, and John the apostle, uh, they attempted to kill him. And they did seek first the kingdom of God according to their lives. So what does it mean? It means that I believe, this is what it means, that no matter what life brings you, God will give you the grace to go through it. God will give you the grace to accept it and to go through it. It doesn't mean that life will be perfect, but you will have grace for every situation, good and bad. All right, well, that was the fourth thing. We're moving right along. Don't judge. If your brother has sawdust in his eye and there's a forest growing out of your face, (laughs) he's none of your business. (laughs) He's got a speck in his eye and you've got a, a couple of redwoods coming out of your face and you want to talk to him about that. You do some chopping down yourself. Give us eyes, God, that don't judge. Because the same way you judge, what does Jesus say? You will be judged. I mean, you read the beginning of, the, uh, of, the, uh, of this sermon that Jesus is preaching when he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. What's that imply? You've got to be merciful to get mercy. You can't judge if you don't want to be judged. Amen. This is what we're called to do as, as followers of Jesus. And you know, this, this really hit home to me. This, this, and it is easy for people who grow up in church and live their lives abstaining from things to judge people harshly who do the things that they don't do. That's, how do I know that? Because I've lived it. 
And it is very easy. This is something that God is still working on me. But it really came home to roost for me when my two-year-old niece, Rachel, she's not two anymore, but she was with me and we went somewhere. And she came to me and she very quietly said, uh, we need to kill that person. (laughs) And I said, what? We have to kill them. I said, why? They smoke cigarettes. <laughs> no one had told her that. That's just something she had come. And it's, it's, it's easy for us who have grown up in church to be very judgmental, to look with eyes of judgment, where we think that murder is justified for the right things. And we laugh, and that is a funny story, and it's a true story. But we, we, might not, we might not go to that extreme, but we assassinate people with our mouths. We assassinate people's character. We tear people down with our mouths because we judge them. Don't don't judge. What the, the way you judge is how you'll be judged. Right? Now again, there's common sense things, of course. If I don't I don't there's things I shouldn't have to say, but if uh, someone asks to take your child on a trip with them and you know them to be unreliable or you don't just, well, I can't judge them, so <laughs> no. we got to use common sense. But I'm talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. When we see something that we think, ooh, mm, mm, ooh, makes us step back because there's lots of things that make me step back because <laughs> I thought I was pretty holy. Don't judge. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, then we don't judge. Amen. Uh, but Jesus, after, uh, after this don't judge, then he goes right into do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And then he goes right into, for narrow is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. One leads to life and one leads to to destruction. This life of judging and, and, and seeing things poorly leads to destruction. Then Jesus talks about false prophets. I'm going to mention those briefly. False prophets abound in our day. Everybody wants to tell you um, you could probably find um, no less than a thousand churches this morning in the United States of America that can tell you that they know exactly what the invasion of Ukraine means and that it means, you know, many different things. Well, and, and that's fine. I, I, I do believe that there are end-time prophecies and there are things that, that must happen. But mark those prophets and see if what they say comes to pass. And if it does not come to pass, then that's a false prophet. If you're listening to people who made prophetic uh, 
declarations about presidential elections and they didn't come to pass, mark them as false prophets. You will know them by their fruits. If the people that, that and, and what is prophesying? Prophesying, um, you know, for the most part is preaching. There are gifts of prophecy. But prophes- prophesying for the most part is the preaching of the gospel. And if, and if the preacher that you're listening to is not demonstrating the fruits that Jesus is talking about here, then mark them as false. Don't judge them. <laughs> But just don't listen to them. If someone's, uh, all right, now we're getting to the, we're getting down to the end. Aren't you glad? The wise and foolish builders. That's where we're going to end. Matthew seven, starting in twenty-four. So Jesus has just given this sermon that lasts uh, five, six, seven, three chapters. He's given specific instructions, specific words. And he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words, which words? The ones I've just spoken to you. The words that we've been preaching about for the last several weeks. The the Sermon on the Mount. Everyone who hears these words. He's very specific here. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words, which words? The words, the sermon that Jesus just gave. And does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus is telling us here that his words, if we put them into practice, then we will be built on the rock, Christ Jesus. He's giving us here the kingdom of God. I believe that with all of my heart, that what Jesus has just laid out in this sermon is the kingdom of God. I believe that he gave us the kingdom of God. These are the words that give us the kingdom of God. That the man or woman who builds her life on these words, and that's why I think it's so important for us to understand what Jesus said. And that's why we spent so much time on this one sermon. Because of this statement right here. Anyone who puts these words into practice. They teach us how to interact with God in prayer with fasting, but they also teach us how to interact with one another. See, Jesus came to restore our relationship with God, yes. Jesus came to forgive us of our sins, yes. He came to die on the cross, yes. He came to be buried and resurrected, yes. All of those things. But he also came to establish and bring us the kingdom and show us what the kingdom of God looks like. I'm convinced of it. He came to show us what God is actually like. But not just that, he came to show us how humans are supposed to live. He came to show us what it's like to be human. That a human can actually walk through this world and love the unlovable. 
That if we live our lives like Jesus, when they bring people to us, that the rest of the world is like, they brought the lepers to Jesus, and Jesus touched them. He went to the unlovely. If you don't have uh, Christians questioning the, the people you're trying to minister to, then you're not living like Jesus. He came to show us how to be human. And ever since Cain killed Abel, we've all been killing one another. But Jesus came to show us the way. He came to show us the way. Early Christianity, that's what they called it, the way. We are people of the way. People of the way. The way of what? The way of Jesus. 1 John 2, 3, 6. I read this one a lot. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, uh, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. If you claim to be in God, then you must live your life like Jesus did. Not just say, oh yes, he is the son of God. I must live my life the same way that he lived his life. A life of sacrifice to others. A life of obedience to God. Jesus said, I don't do anything that I don't hear the Father say to do. A life of sacrifice to others and a life of obedience to God and a life of following Jesus. That's what we're called to. That's what, I, I truly believe that's what Jesus is telling us here. I truly believe that. I'm going to ask the band if they'll come back up. We're going to go into a time of communion here in a moment. 